Hey everybody, just real quick, a couple things before we jump into the episode. I just want to say thank you to Matt Bush for coming on the show. I had an awesome time talking to you, and I hope to have you back on at some point in the future. Um, Friday, September 4th, um, Roz Tox is coming back with their free movie nights. And this time the theme is Garden Cinema, Gore in the Garden. So they won't be playing any movies inside of Roz Talks, but on they're out in the patio area. Um, there's going to be movies um, such as Bluff Skellington, which is a Quad Cities outdoor premiere directed by Michael Warzer. That uh, the film was made right here in the Quad Cities, so um, that's kind of a cool thing. If uh, you know you want to see some local horror films being made, this is a good chance to uh, check it out. Also, Texas Chainsaw 1974 will be playing, and um, that's going to be in the garden screen area, and then the patio screen area. Um, the films, the stuff and they live will be playing so it's a free event everyone um definitely check it out if you're in the quad cities area it's going to be at Roz tox in rock island illinois and uh the films start at 8 30 and ends says 12 a.m but it might be a little later than that so there's you know quite a few movies being played so it's going to be a great time check it out guys uh jason one of the guys that puts it on He's a friend of mine, and he always does a terrific job. And uh, he also has some merch for sale, possibly. You can buy, like, movies, uh, T-shirts, stuff like that. So it's, it's a really cool uh, thing that he helps puts on. And uh, definitely check it out, guys. And uh, so as far as this episode goes, um, if you're not familiar with Matt Bush, he is an amazing illustrator and... Uh, I think I plug in a couple times uh, his website, but I definitely encourage you guys to check out his artwork and uh, I'm sure he has some for sale in his store. So uh, definitely check out his store guys. He's got some awesome stuff in there. So um, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and uh, it's a really good one. So enjoy guys. you're listening and watching the rude horror podcast i'm your host marcus rude and today's special guest is a director actor writer illustrator uh are you still the uh rock and roll illustrator sure i'll take that absolutely <laughs> matt bush is here how are you doing matt 
I'm doing great. It's awesome to be on your podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad to have you here. Um, so you know, I had uh, talked to you on social media about uh, your movie Conjure. Yeah, is uh, is uh, a household favorite here at the Root House. Oh, that's great. And uh, you know, especially for like an indie film. Uh, we just we just thought it was really great, and uh, you know it takes it takes a lot for my wife to be impressed, and uh, she she really enjoyed it. So uh, I, I think you did a good job. Awesome, that's good to hear. You know, it's kind of it's really interesting to talk about it because that movie came out in two thousand six, right before the big explosion of. I'm trying to think maybe MySpace was around at that point, but it was really before social media kind of as we know it today and before, you know, podcasts or anything like that. So we had, you know, we had attention in magazines and newspapers and radio stations and stuff like that. But, um, uh, but we kind of missed all of the cool social media opportunities and podcast opportunities that, uh, that are out now. So it's really cool to, uh, uh, to kind of revisit this uh, this project from a while back and to to chat about it in a in a podcast, it's kind of cool, right? Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Um, be, before maybe we get into Conjure, um, uh, I wanted to ask uh, what got you into the horror genre. Gosh, I've been into it since I was a little kid, and part of it was I come from um, uh, kind of a conservative background where my parents didn't want me watching horror movies. You know, mm-hmm. so of course, as a kid, what do you what do you absolutely want to watch? You obviously want to watch what you're not supposed to. So on. Um, So whenever my parents were out of the house, it was convenient on one of the local channels here. They used to have this thing called Creature Feature, and they would play horror movies in the afternoon. And it was great for a little kid like me, because if they were on at night, it probably would have been maybe a little too scary for me at a young age. But in the afternoon, I could kind of handle it and, you know, a couple of nightmares here and there, but nothing, nothing too crazy. And I just... um, just absolutely fell in love with the uh, with the genre. The awesome. thrill of being scared is, uh, you know, there's the safety of knowing that it's just a movie, you know, or it's just a book if you're reading, you know, a, a scary book or, or a scary comic or something like that. But I think the uh, getting that adrenaline rush, it's just something that we're um, addicted to. Mm-hmm. It is, isn't it funny, like, when you're a kid it's almost like you believe everything you see. So yes. like when you first watch, you know, something scary, like a horror movie, you almost think like, Oh my God, like, did that happen? You know, like, is he really, is Jason really killing those counselors? <laughs> right. Right. Or even in terms of something uh, paranormal that ghosts could exist or people, you know, zombies, can people really be resurrected from the dead? You know, all of that, uh, just really gets your uh it's terrifying and it gets your creative wheels turning you know for sure right right for sure you know i've got this theory that i i tell people sometimes that the things that we are afraid of when we're kids we often grow to love when we're adults 
So obviously things like horror movies, something that scares us, obviously we love that when, when we get older. But there's also things like when I was a kid, again, I come from a background where I had to go to church a lot, you know? So anything that wasn't Christian was automatically Satan, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that um, when I was a kid, whenever I would see Hindu statues, you know, like a Shiva that's got like all the, you know, the arms and like some of them are holding daggers and stuff. And a lot of times the right. Shiva face is going, ah, you know, with the tongue hanging out and stuff <laughs> to me, like, and I was told, Hey, if it's not Christian, it's absolutely Satan. So I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's the most terrifying satanic statue I've ever seen. Or even the Ganeshas, which are, you know, it's all about positivity and good luck. If you really know what, you know, the elephants with all the arms are like, but as a kid, if you're told that's evil, I mean, the eyes look angry and stuff. So sure enough. Mm -hmm. So it's funny to me that like, of course I was terrified of Hindu iconography when I was younger. And now I think it's just absolutely beautiful. I'm not Hindu or anything like that, but I have, I actually have Hindu statues all over my house. I just think they're beautiful, you know? So right. it's kind of funny how, uh, the things we're terrified of, you know, kind of molds us as we get older. Right. Yeah. Um, it reminds me like, I don't know why, but like when I was a little kid, I was terrified of witches and I don't know if it's from the 1990 movie, the witches. Cause I mean, those witches were actually pretty, pretty scary. Oh yeah. You know, watching as a kid, they were pretty scary. So I don't know if that's what triggered it or what, but for some reason I, you know, I was afraid of witches, of all things, and you know they're they're not that scary to me now. But as right. a kid, yeah, it, it, it struck a chord with me. I guess sure, uh, me as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, so you you've always uh, enjoyed the the horror genre. Um, was uh, like movie making, acting. Um, sort of like your big dream or were you always a, 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 a not animator but uh illustrator uh into yeah, art you know what i did it all when i was a kid i would write my own stories uh my parents had a camcorder and i didn't have editing software or anything like that but i could film movies and if i could time it just right to film a shot and then hit stop and then set up the next shot start recording and film that and then whatever was on videotape was on videotape but i used to make my own movies i used to make ninja movies and stuff but i even made um gosh i wonder if it still exists somewhere but i actually made a sequel to poltergeist before huh. there was the real poltergeist 2 i actually made a poltergeist 2 oh wow uh, at my house with uh with my younger sister and uh tried to make things look like they're moving by themselves and uh you know all kinds of cool spooky stuff but yeah absolutely it was always um it was everything drawing making movies um it was kind of hand in hand with uh with all of that awesome man yeah uh you know i i just want to say that you're an incredible draw or, I don't know. You say drawer. Uh, yeah, whatever. Illustrator, artist, illustrator, artist, painter, yeah. people. You know, whatever. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Yeah, I was looking at uh, some of uh, the stills on your Hollywood is Dead coffee book, and just awesome. seeing, you know, just seeing uh, 
the renditions that that you had redrawn a lot of the classic movie posters, but turned them undead or just little a little twist of horror in them. And uh, I really dug it, man. That's really thank cool. you. That was actually a lot, a lot, a lot of fun to do. And part of it was. Um, it was kind of twofold. One, because, you know, my love for zombies, who doesn't love zombies? And so to take something that people love and to make it all zombie-like, you know, was uh, was a guilty pleasure. But also my uh, my fascination with movie posters. And especially from when we were kids, it seemed like movie posters were always illustrated. And I just always loved that look. And so to revisit some of those classic uh, posters and try to duplicate the techniques from some of the masters um was just so much fun uh it was a riot to do all of those awesome awesome um yeah i'll I'll edit a little bit out if i need to 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 keep the flow a little yeah yeah smoother you know awesome um but uh so um i know like this isn't quite uh horror related but it's it's uh interesting to me um that I, I seen that you had done some work on the Matrix. Yes. Uh, could you could you maybe elaborate a little bit on on what you did with the Matrix? Yeah, you know the, I have a great story about working on the Matrix, and what happened was I had an agent that I was working with in when I was living in Hollywood, and this agent was uh, doing primarily movie work, so I was working on different movies. And I was already working with Lucasfilm on a bunch of Star Wars material for a lot of the books. So this agent said, hey, anytime we've got anything Star Wars related, you're our Star Wars guy. We're going to hook you up with anything cool sci-fi. And I was like, great, that's that's cool. So he contacts me one day and he says, hey, we've got this movie uh, called The Matrix that we want you to work on. And at the time it was starring Tom Cruise. He was signed on to play Neo. And uh, so I was already like, okay, like Tom Cruise, love him or hate him. He always brings his A game. So this is probably going to be something amazing, something really big. And uh, my agent said, this is going to be the next Star Wars for the next generation. So I was real excited. He said, we're going to send you the script, read it over the weekend, and you start work on Monday. So I was like, great. So I get the script and I'm I'm kind of expecting since my agent said it's going to be Star Wars for the next generation. I'm thinking there's going to be awesome robots and there's going to be this villain that wears, you know, all black and like breathes heavy. And there's going to be like planets blowing up and just like all the all of the really cool things that make Star Wars what it is. I'm thinking it's going to be that, you know, so I'm reading and I'm just like, man, this is like. This is barely even sci-fi. Like, where are the robots and where, you know, there's this guy named Neo. And, you know, I get almost to the end and there's this scene where Neo jumps off a building. And when he hits the cement, he stretches and bounces back up. And I'm just like, this is the dumbest thing I have ever read. I can't believe, I can't believe how, like, no one is going to like this. Like, why, how could, why would anyone think this is the next Star Wars, you know? So I actually only worked on the matrix for a week and I got to help design some of the post-apocalyptic material with the, uh, I think they're called the centuries, you know, with the, the weird tentacles, you know, the metal tentacles that go behind it and stuff. Yeah. So I worked on it for about a week and that stuff was kind of cool, but it was so bizarre to me. Like everyone that I was working with, some of the other artists, 
they all seemed really excited about it. And I was like, did you guys read the script? And they're like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? And I was like, man, what, like, what did I read? Because this is like horrible. Anyway, so true story, a week after working on it, I got a call from my agent that Tom Cruise left and he instead was going to work on a movie called Eyes Wide Shut. And so I'm thinking, thank God, because this movie is, is just awful. So a couple months went by and my agent called me again and said, hey, Matrix is back on. If you're interested, now it's starring Keanu Reeves. And I was like, oh, my gosh, because at the time, like everyone loves Keanu now. But at the time, like everyone was kind of over Bill and Ted and Keanu was just the guy that says, whoa, all the time. Wow. And uh, so it Speed. just wasn't very. Ex yeah, I was like, oh, man, I don't know. So I said, can you give me a day to think about it? Because I just like, I just, I really didn't want to work on this movie. So the agent said, I can give you a day, but I need to know tomorrow uh, if you're in or out. So true story, that afternoon, I got a call from another agent asking me if I wanted to work on a movie called The Devil's Own. And right away, just from the title, I was like, The Devil's Own. I was like, tell me more. And my uh, my agent, this was, this was a different agent, and the agent said, um... Well, it stars Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because like Harrison Ford was my favorite actor growing up and Brad Pitt, especially in the 90s. He was like everything. So I was like, don't you don't even have to tell me what this is. I am in. This sounds great. And it's called The Devil's Own. So uh, anyway, so I worked on that movie and passed on, on working on The Matrix for the, uh, for the rest of it. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Devil's Own, but it is absolutely awful and i don't know if you've ever seen the matrix but it's amazing right so <laughs> yes was, yeah the reason i, I love telling that story is um a lot of times i share this like with my students and stuff um your job is someone creative is to try to take what's there try to have a positive light looking at it really try to see what's good a lot of times like even if you're working on advertising, you might be working for something dumb that you think is dumb, like uh, Charmin toilet paper. Like, oh, great, we've got the toilet paper campaign. Wow, this is going to be fun. Instead of thinking of it that way, try to think, okay, toilet paper. Gosh, this could really be funny. What if we did something like just really, we, you know, what if we make a TV commercial for toilet paper that is just through the roof hysterical, right? And try mm -hmm. to just find, try to find what's good in it. And so when I read the Matrix script instantly, because I could tell it was nothing like Star Wars, I didn't want to like it. So I wasn't reading it with an open mind. And so that was a great lesson for me. Like anytime I do, like if I sign on, if it's going to have my name on it, if it's something I'm going to be a part of, try to find what's good. Or if it's not good, what can I bring to the table that will make it better. And so um, the matrix, as much as it was a bummer at the time, it was a great life lesson for me to, uh, to always do my best and to, uh, to try to uh, give it my best shot, you know? Right. Yeah. In, uh, you know, I, I could see where you're coming from because if I was reading the script for the matrix, the, uh, it was more visual based uh, you know, how they created the story. So with their dialogue, I could see how it would be really boring on paper because, yeah. you know, how they present it visually is what really captures the movie. Oh yeah. You know, and so, some of the, some of the shots were groundbreaking and stuff and they just, 
they really captured something in a way that had kind of never been done before. So if you've never seen The Matrix and you read that story, it just sounds ridiculous for sure. And mm -hmm. uh, But it was a great lesson for me. I mean, because when I saw it, it was funny when I watched it because I was like, man, it's all coming back to me. Like I knew what was going to happen next. But instead of it being stupid, I was like, this is fantastic. Like, how did I not see this? You know, right. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of a kind of a cool like uh, learning experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, I was I was looking at some of the stuff that you've worked on. Uh, like the crow. Did you work on like the comic book, or did you actually work on uh, uh, parts of the movie? You know what? For the crow, I actually just worked uh, with, with a couple companies for licensed products. So I did a number of things. I know I did a crow wall scroll, which is this big poster-sized silkscreen um, wall scroll. I actually have the original hanging up uh, upstairs in my uh, uh, in one of my hallways, and um, I also did some trading cards for the crow. Um, and I'm trying to think. I thought I did something else. I thought there was one more thing. I never did anything for the comic books. So it was all stuff based on the movie, all stuff that tied into the movie. Um, mm -hmm. cause it was all Brandon Lee related. I think all the stuff that I worked on, but it wasn't actually for the movie itself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was it maybe like a, like toy license material or something like that? Something that I did, I, I might've done some packaging for, I thought there was something else, um, but it's escaping me at the moment. Yeah, it'll, like, it'll, it'll come back to me <laughs> but it's there there was something right. else i know there's um, trading cards for sure yeah um, yeah i'm sure there's some comic book adaptations around the movie uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and you know it's it's interesting when a lot of times when you do art that's licensed for the movies you might do artwork for say a wall scroll, but then they usually have the right to use that wherever you want. So you might see that artwork again on a coffee mug or, you know, who knows where else. And same for the trading cards. Uh, uh, so sometimes I'm, sometimes I'll see it at shows. Fans will bring me something that they have and it'll be the cover of a book or it'll be a sticker or something like that, that they want me to sign and I'll be like, I, I, you know, I've never even seen this. I had no idea this even existed, you know. Huh. But uh, what, what's the most interesting uh, item that a fan has brought you to sign? And maybe you know something that maybe you didn't know existed, or. Um, well, it's always really cool when fans show me tattoos that are based on artwork that they did. Um, so that's really cool. But some of the most interesting are um, there's been some T-shirts that are in from Japan and other countries um, that weren't available here. And so Star Wars, most people know me for my Star Wars work. So that's some of the, the material off the top of my head. But um, uh, I remember when I was in London, someone had a Japanese... Boba Fett t-shirt that they got in Japan and it's officially licensed like real Star Wars shirt but it's just something that wasn't available here in the states and it used my artwork from 
something. I think it was. For, I think it was from one of the the uh, trading cards that I had done. This this Boba, and it was awesome. It had, you know, Star Wars and Japanese and all this other kanji and stuff. And I I've been looking for it because I really want this shirt, but I haven't mm -hmm. been able to uh, find it. And uh, um, and then there's also some shirts, some Star Wars shirts that were in TJ Maxx, but in the UK, so they're not in TJ Maxx here. But uh, some other stuff over there that uh, um, that looked really cool, and I wanted to get my hands on. But uh, but you see stuff all the time. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would love to see. I mean, I'm not you know uh, an artist or you know any anywhere near you, but you know I can only imagine it's really cool just to see you know people from all over the world um, bringing items of you know stuff that you had had worked on and. You know, like the the official licensed Star Wars shirt, like that's that's pretty pretty amazing. Thank you, thank you. It has been an awesome ride. Uh, I'm very very lucky, but also just super grateful for uh, for everyone that's been so so supportive. And even like to be on this this podcast right now is super <laughs> cool. And the fact that you're interested and that people will want to listen is uh, is super cool. Yeah, I man. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I guess I, I ramble about this sort of same topic every episode, it seems. But like, you know, I, I just started this podcast last October, and uh, this has just been so much fun. Uh, I think my wife just got tired of me talking about horror movies to her, and uh, you know, I, I didn't want to just not talk about horror stuff because i'm really interested in horror movies and stuff so starting this podcast has really uh opened the door for me to uh just talk about horror movies and gives me uh a, i guess a reason to talk about them and, yeah uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a an outlet so to speak that's that's fantastic that's great so, <laughs> yeah um but yeah anyways uh not to ramble on about me. Um, I, I know that you're working on a, a, a action sci-fi film right now, Aladdin thirty four seventy seven. Um, yeah, I you know we I, I do want to talk about that movie, but uh, um, I just something I want to know is uh, do you plan on uh, going back to the horror genre anytime soon after uh, your next big project? Or? That's a great a great question. So. I am knee deep. We have finished filming three feature films and it's called Aladdin 3477. And it's, um, it is, it's probably classified as like the sci-fi action kind of genre, but, uh, make no mistake. Uh, since this is a horror podcast, these Aladdin movies are not your grandmother's Aladdin movies. I, I probably wouldn't classify them as horror, but they are, dark and they are not for kids and they are they're action-packed and there are parts that are whimsical there's no singing or anything like that but <laughs> they're uh they are bloody they are brutal and um uh there are some parts that are downright horrific and in fact in the second movie the second movie is the darkest and it happens to be what i've been um working on uh the most this summer and there are moments that are terrifying it is you you have no and again i don't know if i could classify the entire movie as a horror movie 
but there are times where everything just turns on a on a dime and it uh uh horror fans would rejoice and i think a lot of mainstream audience would be like oh my gosh like this is i can't believe where this is going this is really really dark but um uh i can't wait i can't wait to uh to share some of that with uh you know with uh with the world but uh to answer your question so I have all kinds of ideas of what I'm going to be doing next. I have about 10 solid ideas for books, movies, all kinds of things that I want to do. And of those 10, probably four or five of them are horror related. Uh, so which one I'm going to do first, I don't know. Um, Sometimes I go back and forth, and right now I'm just trying to finish Aladdin, so it's hard to know exactly what I'm going to do next. But right, definitely, right. you will be seeing more uh, horror uh, from me in the future, for sure. Right on, right on. Yeah, uh, you know, I I know, uh, you know, I, I try to jump all over the place, but you know, Conjure being your first feature full length movie, you know, with with uh, the material that you had and just you know how how you guys pulled the movie off i i thought it was fantastic and uh would definitely like to see more horror related uh uh films from you in the future and uh you know you definitely have uh, i think a natural knack and uh you know how to deliver a story i thought uh i thought the story was very important and you know especially in uh indie horror movies I think a lot of uh, indie horror movies lack the uh, story-driven, um, you know, story-driven scenes. They they kind of lack in that, and they kind of just push more on like the the gore and blood and guts, creature effects stuff like that. Which that's not a bad thing, you know. I I do like seeing story build aspects of films and. Uh, and you know, even like the the special effects that that you guys had in Conjure, I thought were really, were really cool. <laughs> uh, I still wonder how you guys still um, um, did the whole uh, ghost scenes. Yeah, um, you know, I'm sure that's probably awesome. movie magic, but uh, you know, I thought that was really interesting. Oh, awesome! So it's you know it's interesting in retrospect so when when conjure came out uh to say that the movie had mixed reviews is an understatement because there were some people that really appreciated uh what i had done they thought it was creative but there were also people that just hated it and gave it scathing reviews uh, which is all and you know what everyone's obviously entitled to an opinion and they you know they weren't wrong with some of the things that they that they had issues with um i learned in, in addition to getting thick skin um i learned so much from from that whole experience from making that movie from the good reviews and the bad reviews and uh and everything that went into it um you know, it seemed the, the thing, my biggest takeaway from it was that the things that people liked was the creativity to say that it was done on a shoestring budget. I mean, that is, I mean, that's not an understatement at all. I mean, literally 
it was the Sony uh, camcorder that I had, which was from Best Buy. It was like $190 or something like that. I had a tripod from uh, Meyer. I don't know if Meyer exists. Uh, it's kind of like a Walmart, but smaller uh, if they have those in your area. Um, it's it's like a supersized grocery store. I had this cheap, you know, twenty-seven dollar uh, tripod, and I had a blue light, like literally a blue light bulb, like a party light that I would put in a lamp, and I would just conveniently put it wherever I wanted to uh, light things blue. And I think I had a yellow one as well, but um, uh, no microphones. No, it was any audio was straight from, you know, the camcorder. So um, on the positive, people that appreciated it, appreciated that I was able to do a lot with a little. I was able to use creativity to kind of make up for what I didn't have. On the negative, and the biggest thing that I learned from it um, when this came out, and when I made it, I didn't know if I would get a distribution deal or not. And in fact, most of the time I was making it, I wasn't even thinking about a distribution. I was just trying to make something fun, trying to make something cool. I was thinking I would just have it on my website that people could buy DVDs there or something. I would just make the DVDs myself. But um, when it came out... um, it had two different distribution deals and they really pushed, you know, from Matt Bush, you know, the artist behind star Wars and Lord of the Rings and the crow and everything. And here I'm thinking, Whoa, like, man, you're really setting the expert. I mean, they're, they're getting sales. People are pre-ordering it, which is what they wanted, but man, I hope people aren't going to be let down. Like they're really making it sound like it's going to be this, this huge, um, production uh Mm -hmm. when in fact it was it was you know just kind of uh super super indie and uh so when it came time for people to review it it was one of two things it was either uh like you where you could kind of see what i was doing trying to make a lot with a little or it was people you know that were grading it judging it um, I think when it, the week that it came out in video stores, it came out the same week as Peter Jackson's King Kong. Mm. So there it is on the shelf with, you know, King Kong and whatever movies were coming out that week. And um, people judged it accordingly. And right away, if you, you know, you can kind of tell, whoa, the sound doesn't sound correct. And the thing that I kind of, the prologue that I have in the beginning, this isn't how horror movies are supposed to be, you know? And so Mm -hmm. a lot of people were kind of turned off by that. I tried to do something a little different, something a little creative. Um, And some people love that and embrace that. And some people just really didn't like it. And, and that's okay too, you know, but, uh, uh, but I learned a lot from it and um, it was super, super experimental. Um, but it was great. I wouldn't change a thing. It's something I'm still uh, proud of, proud of what I was able to do. Very cool. Yeah, man. Um, you know, like I had said, uh, my wife and I enjoy that movie a lot. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'll say, um, you know, I'm a big movie collector. So I'm always looking for, you know, especially horror movies and movies that I've never seen before. And, we went to a uh, used game and DVD store, and we came across Conjure. And okay. We seen the cover and it's like, whoa, this looks pretty cool, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, because the cover uh, really makes the movie look like, like, okay, we're gonna have 
some supernatural spirits or demons in this and uh it, you know my my wife's favorite movie is the exorcist so she likes okay. movies like this um that you know yeah yeah so she uh really uh was interested i think the cover got her but uh so like okay you know we'll we'll pick it up and uh you know we went back and watched it and uh we loved it and uh we we really liked the uh the aspect of of what you put in this movie was it was almost like uh an autobiography like you're telling your life story mm-hmm. like, you know your real life story and you know incorporating you know how you met sarah and you know um and everything and uh then all of a sudden you know supernatural stuff starts occurring and and uh then you know we're we're kind of getting sucked into the twisted fairy tale horror side <laughs> and uh you know i i think we we really like that aspect of it oh thank you you know it's funny that was and that seems to be that actually seems to be a dividing factor between whether people love or hate the movie people that like the movie enjoyed that aspect of it because it is you don't really see that in a horror movie you know that kind of thing and then people that hated the movie just did not uh did not get into that at all and how that actually happened was it was never intended for any of that stuff to be there um first of all making this movie the only reason i'm even in it at all is because i couldn't get anyone else to be in it. I couldn't get anyone else to, uh, to help. I would call friends and say, Hey, I'm making a movie. Do you want to come out? And, uh, and you know, do you want to be in it or do you want to hold the camera and help me film? And people would say, what, you're making a movie. Um, I think I have to wash my socks that night, you know, coming up with whatever excuse. <laughs> then when the movie came out, then they were like, is this the movie you wanted me to help on? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. They'd say, why didn't you tell me it was a real movie? And it's like, um, I don't know. Like, what's a what's a fake movie? I just, I don't know. <laughs> you know? But right. um, so one of the things that had happened um, originally when I when we started making this, the idea was at first it was just going to be like a 20 minute thing or a half hour thing that I was going to that uh, people could download on my website. And it was just going to be kind of this cute little haunted house thing with the, the, um, the idea that anything that I draw turns to life and haunts me. I just thought that would be a cute thing for an artist and that people would think it was really cool. So while, you know, while we started making it and uh, I knew how to edit, but I was also teaching myself kind of visual effects and, you know, more editing techniques and whatnot. So the movie was getting better and better as I went along. And so I, more and more, I was like, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't just that I was stretching the movie, but I was like, I think I've got enough material for this to be a feature and to be, you know, a decent one. So what happened with that whole prologue thing, there was two reasons why that was added. I had shown people kind of a working um, example of the movie and people felt that if I didn't include something about me and my life and how I work, people might just think, like, 
who is this guy that just sits around by himself and like, like he just what draws and paints whatever like like what like how does he pay for a house or you know what does he do so it Mm -hmm. kind of made sense to kind of add it you know in for that aspect and then the other reason was because the whole idea with sarah and i in the story was that as we get dragged along through this adventure we were going to be kind of um not really at each other's throats but it was going to be really testy kind of with the relationship so that when we do have the happy ending, like people want us to kind of be together and to have this happy ending. Mm-hmm. Well, without that prologue, I realized, oh my gosh, we're really just, we had only filmed each other, like kind of like, kind of moody around each other and not really getting along and stuff. So it was just kind of odd. And anyone watching it without that prologue would be like, man, these people don't even like each other. Like just, you know, who cares, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it made sense to add a prologue. And because Sarah was my, my, my girlfriend at the time, I actually had footage of us, you know, during happy moments, like swimming in a lake and all this, you know, all this other fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so it just made sense to put in there. I thought it was really creative. I thought it was really different. And uh, some people love it. And then some people just really felt like, oh, my gosh, it's the Matt Bush show. Like, this, is, uh, this isn't a horror movie, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, to each his own, you know. Right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a, a very unique way to, uh, for, like, story building. You know, and it helps, helps uh people get be familiar with the characters in the movie and you know like i said earlier it almost plays out like this is like some kind of autobiography of of your life in a way and then uh and then you know you, you get thrown into uh, a situation where you you draw haunted pictures and uh spirits come back from the the dead or from the other side <laughs> mm-hmm um, you know, it's interesting in retrospect during the time that this happened, um, a couple years prior, the Blair Witch Project had come out and I thought that was just fantastic. I thought that was so cool. Um, so what I wanted to do, I actually wanted to do it Blair Witch style and found footage style which would actually make sense with the equipment that I had, because that's really all I had was a Sony Handycam. Mm-hmm. The reason I didn't is because at that time, Blair Witch was the only found footage kind of movie. And so I thought people would just feel like, oh, he's just copying off Blair Witch. And like that's already been done. That's a one trick um, thing and that I would just get a lot of negative feedback from that. So I didn't go that route at all. But then years later, when Paranormal Activity came out, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'd love to see it. There's no way audiences like this has already been done with Blair Witch. Like, there's no way people are going to like, you know, there's no way Mm -hmm. people are going to like this movie because it's already been done. And then sure enough, people loved it. And I felt like, man, I should have done this with Conjure. I thought people would would really uh, react to it in a negative way. But people really like the. the found footage scenarios. I think it's neat. I think it's cool. A neat way to uh, tell a story. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. That, and that would be a really interesting, uh, almost me like like a spinoff in a way. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. 
if you know maybe maybe try doing a found footage film sometime you know i haven't thought of that in a long in a long time but uh it is a really neat way to work that could be uh that could be something <laughs> interesting um, <laughs> yeah so <laughs> right um so uh something i thought was really interesting too uh watching some of the uh uh, making of conjure was when you had filmed in the castle you had no idea of uh like you were sort of like writing this on the fly so you had no idea that you were gonna write uh or have spirits in the film and all that stuff yeah what, what was uh do you have like an original idea of where you were wanting to go with the story yeah, well, it was it was really it was like you said it was on the fly, and we went to uh, Sarah and I went to my manager's house. Uh, well, actually, we went to Los Angeles, and I think I had some business, but we were going to stay there, I believe, for two weeks is how long we were there. And my manager at the time said, "Hey, why don't you stay with me? You can stay in my castle." And I thought, you know, like everyone calls their house a castle. So I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. And then we get there and it's, it's like a miniature castle. It's beautiful. By the way, an interesting fact, that house is now owned by Kat Von D. And, oh, wow. and that's her house. And it was, it was beautiful then, but now it's like immaculate and it's all like painted red inside and it's all gothed out. And uh, it was really cool when we were filming there, but now it is just, it is awesome. It is really, really cool looking. But, oh, wow. um, but yeah, we, uh, I, I really didn't know. And so I was, um, uh, we were on vacation. So I made it, I, I remember making a deal with Sarah that we would go and do, you know, I think we still went to Disney and we ended up getting tattoos and we had like, a bunch of stuff we wanted to do. So I said, we'll all do that, but you got to give me a couple days where we can film. And so she agreed to that, but I was frantically like anytime she jumped in the shower, I was grabbing random scraps of paper and like scribbling down my ideas and everything. And um, so we filmed everything there, not knowing what the ghosts were going to look like or any of that. And uh, so a lot of that was made up after. So anything in that house was filmed in that two weeks. And then I think it was another year and a half, two years uh, after that, that we filmed all the visual effects and anything that happened in the house. Um, it was like another two years of filming to, uh, to put all that together. Oh, wow. And, to and yeah. I had to do the drawings and I had to do the painting of the house and everything. So uh, it was kind of a backwards way of filming, but I feel like, that was kind of the creativity of it. When you watch the movie from beginning to end, it's uh, it really seems like I'm painting the house or that I'm drawing <laughs> the you know the ghosts, even though it was kind of a backwards way of of putting it together. Um, it was I, it was really fun. It was really cool. I, I thought that was really clever. Was uh, to take a still picture of the house and then do a painting of a recreation painting of it and then incorporate that into the story to you know to 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 piece everything together yeah yeah it was definitely uh uh sleight of hand filmmaking but um but it was really fun to do really cool 
And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I ended up giving that painting to uh, my manager, Erica Coltino, who lived in that house when we filmed it. Um, she still has the painting, the uh, the haunted painting of of that house. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, so, like, uh, the, the pages in the book, um, mm-hmm. did uh, that take a long time to make or, like, you know, when when you draw stuff, does it usually, you know, take months or can you draw things up pretty quick? Those were relatively quick. And again, that was the same kind of backwards filmmaking technique where I didn't know exactly what the ghosts were going to look like until we made the ghosts. So, like, we had an idea and all of the ghosts were either Sarah. Sarah actually plays the ghost that's crawling around that has the pigtails and has the, like, I think there's little ropes through her mouth. And she's like the creepiest one. Right. Um, But, uh, (laughs) and then all of the other ghosts were friends of hers. And um, so we kind of had basic ideas of what the ghosts would look like. But it wasn't until we filmed them and took photos of them that I would then draw them because I really wanted the drawings to look real specific so that when you saw the drawings, when you saw the ghosts later, it would be like, oh, my gosh, that's like that's really what the drawings look like when obviously it was they were filmed first. And then I just made the drawings look like the ghosts was the uh, was the trick. But it really didn't take that long, I think. um, the only thing that made those sketches take a little bit longer than um, normal was just because I wanted the sketchbook pages. The sketchbook is very inspired by the Necronomicon from Evil Dead, you know, just really creepy pages with all these notes that look like spellbound, you know, and, and, you know, it wasn't written in blood or anything, but I just, uh, I wanted to have lots of, so I just wrote lots of mumbo jumbo. And I think I sent you the JPEGs of a bunch of those pages. So a lot of it is just kind of, I knew no one would actually be reading it in the movie. You wouldn't have time to read it. So a lot of it, uh, I think I haven't read those pages, um, in, a long, long time. So it's probably just, you know, mumbo jumbo backstory to some of the ghosts and stuff. Right. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was very cool in, uh, something that I want to know. I don't know why, but, uh, uh, I really don't want to spoil anything. Oh, that's okay. Uh, anything to get, if people are interested <laughs> in the movie and stuff, uh, that's great. Spo- and you know what they've had, alert. how many years oh. has it been out? It's been out for 14 years. So mm-hmm. I think spoil at this point, I think spoilers are okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, yeah, spoiler alert guys. Um, so uh, what I want to know is, uh, when you're ripping the pages up towards the end of the movie and you're yes. th- trying to throw them in the fire. Yes. Um, I don't know why, but uh, I just want to know were those those weren't the original drawings, right? Those are like reprints. <laughs> it's a great it's a great question. Yeah, they are uh, they are not the actual drawings, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, I'll have to look and see if I can find that sketchbook. I did rip out the actual pages, so the scene where I'm ripping them out that was the actual pages of the sketchbook. But when I'm throwing them in the fire, uh, those are color copies. So you can kind of see the page and then I crumple it up and throw it and you can Mm -hmm. see them burning in the fire and stuff like that. Those are just uh, 
uh, I believe at the time we had color Xerox copies, color Xerox <laughs> machines. And, uh, and that was how we made it look like uh, the drawings were burning. But no, the, uh, the originals are still in a, in a sketchbook I have somewhere. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's good to know because I'm thinking, damn, those are some really cool drawings. Yeah. In, uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Pages in the book. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. All right. Well, that that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Um. So, uh, being being a horror fan, uh, do you have any favorite horror movies? Great question. And, you know, it depends when on my life you ask me. As a kid growing up, the first Poltergeist movie had a huge, huge impact on me. Um, it doesn't hold up as much with me today, but uh, as a kid, that was just, you know, it was, even though Spielberg just produced it, it was just. Spielberg storytelling with a haunted house. I mean, that movie just had everything and just was super, super creepy. Um, I absolutely love that movie as a kid. So that was very, very, um, very inspiring um, as a kid. Um, I would say probably throughout my life, though, probably the movie, probably my favorite, if I had to narrow it down to one it would probably be the first evil dead movie um i just think on repeat viewings that movie is just so great and uh what sam raimi was was able to do it was just so groundbreaking and i feel like that has just influenced uh all horror movies since have really uh i think everyone takes a couple pages from that book and what he got right. And uh, still to this day, just incredible camera angles and the creativity that he put into that um, is just, just awesome. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, unique shots in that movie. And uh, yeah, man, I agree. Like, you know, Poltergeist is a good movie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I, I can respect your opinion. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, Evil Dead, that's that's definitely up there for me as well. Uh, just, you know, it, the story is so unique. And, uh, you know, I think it's probably the original Horror Cabin movie. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, you could, you could say like Friday the 13th, but I mean, yeah. as far as like confined into, oops, confined into one cabin and making it really scary, I yeah. think uh, Raimi pulled it off. Yeah. You know, it was, and for me, um, it was really, uh, when I saw it, I saw it at um, a friend of mine's house, uh, this girl named Colleen, and um, I can't remember if she had it, she must have had it on video cassette or something, and I was, I was definitely too young to see it, but at that time, most of the horror movies that I had seen, again, were like Creature Feature, you know, Channel 50 with, you know, commercials so anything and these were all like old school like horror movies from the 50s and 60s that were kind of cheesy i had also seen some things like the exorcist and um probably rosemary's baby which was another you know uh super creepy movie but um but i had never seen anything like evil dead that was that gory and that 
like the pacing of it was just it was unlike mm-hmm. any i mean it was just breakneck speed for at the time there was nothing like it and it was just uh i just couldn't believe and it was in the afternoon that i saw it and i just like my mind was blown i was terrified but also i loved it and i was i was creeped out but also laughing and just like uh what a what a great movie but um mm-hmm. uh oh it was just it was fantastic yeah it's it's one of the few movies uh you know i, I guess would say trilogies you know like with army of darkness being more of like a horror comedy mm-hmm. like it's it's one of the few trilogies i know that really starts off serious and then by the end it's just so wacky and uh slapstick and yeah well to me it seems like the first one is this is probably the scariest the second one has a lot more humor and so the second one to me is almost like a comedy and then the third one also comedy but like an adventure movie <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just so it's so bizarre but uh but interesting what uh what he did and sam raimi grew so much through making those movies um I really love uh, Drag Me to Hell is also, even though it's basically Evil Dead all over again, um, I absolutely love that movie. And also, um, uh, for superhero movies, Spider-Man is my fave. And I gotta say, as much as I I like all the Spider-Man movies and even the new ones with Tom Holland are cool, but side by side, when you compare action for action and shot for shot, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies are, are, are the best, you know, maybe not the third one I didn't care for as much, but especially the first two, those, those are uh, the best Spider-Man movies there are. Right. You know what? I, I have to agree with you as well. And I know a lot of people always, I don't know why they always talk shit about Toby McGuire and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, his, his Spider-Man trilogy. Um, but you know, you know, I'll agree. The third one wasn't the the strongest. Probably, you know, the first one's probably the strongest. But mm-hmm. uh, um, you yeah, know, yeah, I, I enjoyed those as well. And I honestly haven't seen the newer ones yet, so I almost mm-hmm. don't want to give them a a chance because you know, I'll just I'll watch the Sam Raimi ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the the new ones are good, but there's something about. Sam Raimi when he does it and I saw this video that was comparing one of the new Tom Holland uh, movies to the Sam Raimi movies and the difference in action is just incredible where the Sam Raimi movies everything is just like just super uh, dynamic and to me that's what Spider-Man is Spider-Man is dynamic where the newer movies yeah the special effects are great but it's like Spider-Man swinging across the screen, you know, sideways like this, where Mm -hmm. Sam Raimi would have been, you know, like this right out at the camera or something, you know, and uh, (laughs) Sam Raimi really was channeling comic books and what made comic books exciting. Um, But uh, uh, to each his own, you know, for sure, for sure. So, uh. I, I know uh, Aladdin thirty four seventy seven is your newest project. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there anything new that you can discuss about 
your upcoming movie? Well, it's a trilogy of movies, and um, I'm in the process of working on all three. And the reason why is I want to release them, if possible, one year apart, similar to how the Lord of the Rings trilogy was released. Um, I could just focus on the first movie and release it much, much sooner. But then people are going to have to wait, you know, for the second movie and then wait again for the third one. And also with these movies, uh, there are going to be books. Uh, there may be collectible statues and there's going to be stickers and all kinds of, you know, keychains and all that fun stuff. It really is going to be um, these films are the biggest thing I've ever done. I'm really excited about them. But um, uh once they start coming out, I really will want to focus on the promotional side of things and all of the licensing uh, that'll come with it. So um, with that, I really want to get, um, even if all the visual effects are done, I want to have all three edited, ready to rock and roll. So once I pull the trigger, I can confidently uh, release them, hopefully a year apart, Um uh, I think that would be cool to do it that way so people don't have to wait as long. And it's mm -hmm. very similar. It, the, the story is nothing like Lord of the Rings, but it's similar in scope. It's this giant epic um, to where I don't think people like Star Wars or Indiana Jones. I don't think people would want to wait three years in between each one. Um, it really is kind of act one, act two, and act three. So the closer I can get those together, I think people will, uh, I think people will enjoy them more. Right on. So that's so that's the plan, and that's uh, and that's where I'm at. Awesome, man. I uh, I had read somewhere that um, I think one of the actors had has worked in the movie was also uh, in one of the Star Wars movies. The one of the uh, I can't remember which one. But um, I think I think his name's Nemo. Oh, uh, uh, Amar Nemo. I don't think he was in. I don't think he's been in a Star Wars movie, but he's been in. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in Batman v Superman. Oh, okay, that's um, where I yeah. Uh, a couple. I think uh, one of our actors, James Polony, was in the recent Red Dawn. Um, our princess, Christy Perovsky, Christy Dumar now, um, she was in uh, Real Steel with uh, Hugh Jackman and Evangeline. Okay. So we've got a couple, but small parts, you know, blink and you'll miss them uh, kind of things. So we've got a lot of mm -hmm. unknowns, but um, I really like that when I see a movie. I really like, like when the first Star Wars came out, it was really cool because no one knew who Harrison Ford was. No one knew who Mark Hamill or even Carrie Fisher. She was um, Debbie Reynolds' daughter, but no one really knew who she was, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, people maybe recognized Peter Cushing and Alec Guinness, but otherwise, you know, when you were watching that movie, you were you weren't watching Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. You were watching Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, you know. Right. So. Um, so I really like that. And I think conversely, one of the problems with the newer Star Wars movies and even the prequels, 
when Samuel L. Jackson's on screen, you're not really watching Mace Windu. It's like, oh, there's Samuel L. Jackson playing a Jedi, you know. There's Liam Neeson is uh is is training Anakin and oh, there's Ewan McGregor, you know, and Natalie Portman. Like people already know who these people are, so you have all these, you know, kind of preconceived ideas. I think that's one of the benefits that indie films have a lot of times is when you're watching an indie film that has relatively unknown actors, you have this great opportunity for people to really sink into the the story, really sink into the characters and not really have preconceived ideas about who this actor is, you know, where if you've got a movie with Bruce Willis, you kind of already know, oh, it's going to be like this. And, uh, he's probably going to have a snappy line like, you know, you want paper or plastic, you son of a bitch. Cause that's, that's who <laughs> Bruce Willis is, of course, right. you know? <laughs> so, um, so I think it's kind of cool, uh, to kind of capitalize on that. And I think that's what we're trying to do with, uh, with Aladdin. I think people are really going to fall in love with these characters and, uh, we've got a great cast. Awesome, man. Well, I, I look forward to checking that one out once, well, I, I would say the trilogy once, you know, I'll yeah. start from one, work my way to two, then three. Awesome. Thank you. Um, one, one question I want to ask before, uh, before we end the show. Yeah. What, what is your favorite Universal Monster or Universal Monster movie? Boy, um, I don't know if I have a favorite movie. But I would say my favorite Universal monster is probably when I was a little, little kid, it was Frankenstein. But I would say Creature from the Black Lagoon is probably probably my favorite. I also really like The Mummy uh, quite a bit, but I don't think The Mummy has been... Uh, I don't think the mummy has been getting, have been, yeah, I don't think the mummy has been given justice just yet. I think, um, um, you know, the Brandon Fraser movies and I actually worked on the Brandon Fraser. Uh, I did some of the, the marketing and some of the posters for the mummy, but, um, those were okay, but I, I feel like they just weren't, I want a mummy movie where the mummy is scary, you know, something I'd like to see it redone that way. And the new, the new Tom Cruise one, I think I saw that on an airplane and, uh, I think I was only able to get halfway through it. And it, it wasn't that it was a horrible movie. It just wasn't, it just didn't engage me as, you know, for the mummy. Right. You know? Yeah. It, it, it felt like something was missing. Yeah. Um, and I can't really put my finger on it, but it just it just felt like it missed something. But um, after seeing uh, Lay One L's The Invisible Man, I really feel like um, something can be done right with the Universal Monsters. I haven't seen that yet, and I've heard nothing but good things. Like that's that's on my radar. I gotta check that out for sure. Yeah, I I uh, really. Uh, uh, encourage anybody listening to to check it out. It's it's a really good movie, and uh, and I I went into the movie thinking that okay this is probably gonna be cheesy or corny like Hollow Man, uh, which I mean I think Hollow Man was is okay, but I I kind of went to the movie thinking it was gonna be something similar to that, 
and uh, I, I was completely wrong. And uh, I really like the approach that they're they're giving the Invisible Man a new life, you know. And uh, I, I was I was really uh, happy with with what they came up with. Awesome. So awesome. Hey, I have a question for you. I okay. noticed that you are you're drinking a delicious beverage, and I've been trying to see what it oh. is. If you can, if you can see this, this is a Paradigm Lost, which is a double dry hopped IPA from Wake Brewing in uh, Rock Island, Illinois. Nice. And uh, they are a terrific brewery. If you're ever in the Quad Cities area, they uh, they serve all different types of beer that they actually hand can individually these cans right there in their at their brewery. Wow. And, uh, you know, one at a time, they even have the machine right behind the bar and you can, so you can see the machine that they use. Yeah. And, um, it's very cool. It's, uh, it's mostly a metal themed bar, but, uh, once COVID is, is gone, they host a horror trivia night every third Thursday of every month. Now, when you say metal themed, you mean like metal, like, like hard rock like, metal? Yes. Like music, awesome. metal music. Okay. And uh, yeah, they're a very cool bar, and all the guys that, well, I, I should say the two brothers that that run it, they're really cool, and uh, they're always uh, doing stuff, creative stuff. Like this beer is a collaboration with Disciple Magazine's Metal and Beer Fest. Okay. And so um, they have uh, uh, every once in a while they'll have a band that they. Uh, have on the can so where they collaborate with bands like metal bands like they that did is so one, cool they did one with uh, a band called gate creeper okay and uh they're this one i think was supposed to be a collaboration with uh napalm death they're okay. actually going to do a you know a collaboration with them but i think since covid hit the concert got canceled the festival mm. got canceled so I think they took a different approach, but uh, they still collaborated with uh, Disciple in Metal and Beer Fest. So this is their new one that they just tapped. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I'll tell you what. Next time I'm passing through Illinois, I'm going to meet up with you. We're going to go there, and I have to try one of those. I can't wait. Awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, definitely. I would definitely buy you a beer, too. Woohoo! <laughs> all right man well thanks so much for coming to the show i really appreciate you coming on here yeah thanks for having me on it's awesome. been great and uh i uh i can't wait to get back to some of my horror roots and to have uh to have some more to uh to share with you guys but thank you everyone for your support of uh, of all the projects i'm working on and uh can't wait to share with you guys what i'm doing next Awesome, man. Well, one thing before we get off here. Yeah. Um, I know that you have a website where you sell merchandise. That's right. Uh, that is mattbushstore.com. So it's M-A-T-T-B-U-S-C-H, spelled like the beer, not like the shrub, uh, <laughs> store.com. Uh, or you can just go to mattbush.com, and that's got links uh, to the store and to all my social media and everything. And uh, 
Yeah, I think you can still get uh, Conjure there. You can order it and um, and all the other stuff I've worked on. So obviously, the uh, the Hollywood is Dead book, I think, is at Hollywood-is-dead.com. But that's going to be, I think that's going to be transferred over to the store soon. Um, but uh, either way, those are available. And I think there's... I think I've still got like Night of the Living Dead covers and and all kinds of uh, all kinds of cool stuff that uh, that you can dig up in the store. Awesome, man! Yeah, I uh, I, I will add. I seen uh, Conjure is in the store for like ten dollars, like nine yeah. something. So it's on sale, guys. If you want to check out Conjure, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Thanks again, Matt, for coming on here. Awesome! Thank you so much for having me. Well, I just want to say thank you all for checking out this episode. I had a lot of fun making it. And again, just want to say thank you, Matt Bush, for coming on the show. Uh, it was a real pleasure having you on and talking about the horror genre and all the stuff that you are have worked on and currently are working on. So definitely would love to have you back on at some point. And uh, again, I just want to thank Wake Brewing for being a sponsor. And if you haven't checked checked out wake brewing they are a brewery in rock island illinois they make terrific beer and uh, they just made koozies for their 16 ounce to go cans so that's one thing that you can add to your wake brewing arsenal and uh, they look pretty cool they got their uh their uh their logo on there and uh just just a cool fun design i just want to mention paul bear press they are a terrific horror clothing apparel company if you're not familiar with them check them out man they have some awesome merchandise that's where i usually get my horror long long sleeves and my uh, horror trucker hats they uh the quality of their stuff is just amazing so go check it out i think their newest line of clothing is um stuff from the movie they live so if you're into They Live, they got some new horror merch for you. Go check it out at www.paulbearpress.com. I also want to mention Midwest Monster Fest. They are a horror and pop culture convention that will be at the Rust Belt in East Moline, Illinois. Next year, September, 3, uh, <laughs> September 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Um, it got postponed this year, obviously, because of COVID. So they're coming back next year. And a lot of the guests that they had lined up for this year are going to be returning guests. So that's awesome. And uh, who knows? We might even see some new guest announcements within, you know, the next year or so. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled. Go follow them on social media at Midwest Monster Fest on most of the social media platforms. Or you can go to the website at www.midwestmonsterfest.com, snag your tickets early, and then that way you can just forget about it until next year and think, oh yeah, I'm going to go to this event in East Moline, and uh, it's going to be a kick-ass time. I know I'll be there, so um, maybe you'll run into me and uh, we'll talk about horror movies and stuff, uh, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> um, but yeah, check them out, guys. Uh they're awesome so uh 
I guess that about wraps it up for me. You can find me on most of the social media platforms um, at Rude Horror Podcast um, on Instagram and Facebook or on Twitter at Rude Horror Pod. Or if you just want to email me, my email is rudehorror at gmail.com. And just hit me up and uh, we'll talk horror movies and whatnot like we always do. And uh, maybe even some suggestions for future episodes. I'm always open to suggestions. And uh, as far as I know, the next episode after this will be uh, a play-by-play of the movie Pitch Black starring Vin Diesel. So if you're into that kind of stuff, um, stay tuned for the next one. And uh, enjoy this beat by Evil Dead. He's let me use his music in in my episodes so a big thanks to evil dead um his youtube channel will be in the link of this episode's description and enjoy guys stay tuned for the next one
podcast. If you like this content and would like to hear future episodes, please follow or subscribe. If you dare. <laughs>